When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History right here in New York City. We also serve as the director of the Hayden Planetarium. And I have with me my co-host for this program, the one, the only, Eugene Merman. Eugene, Hello, welcome Neil. back. Welcome Man, back to me. We so, we so tap your talents for this. Thank you. And <laughs> this will not be the last. No. For sure. This would be a fun way to fire me. And you're still, okay. you're still on uh, uh, one of the voices in Bob's... I'm still one of the voices of Bob's Burgers, also not replaced. Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Burger. We'll get back to... Burgers. burgers in a minute. Yeah. Today's show, by the way, is about like food and nutrition. So I combed the land. Then I found someone who actually has the title, Professor of Nutrition at New York University, Marion Nessel. Marion, welcome to Star Talk. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. I think. I, I, she thinks. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be the judge of that later. <laughs> we'll find out. First, I, I'm intrigued and impressed that there's such a thing as a professor of nutrition. So, so uh, I'm glad that somebody has thought that. of it like alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no, no so there are nutrition departments all over the country. I said, well, no, I just never, never ran into. I never ran into one, and I'm glad you were here oh. and ready for us. Oh, ready for you. Because in this episode of Star Talk, we have my interview with Anthony Bourdain. He's the famous TV yeah. travel chef. chef travel writer. chef. In fact, I got you know. First, he had a a New York Times best-selling book mm -hmm. in the year 2000 titled Kitchen Confidential, Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly. Best-selling book. All Which right. I understand is a very accurate account. Excellent, excellent. So he's been around a while and he had a long-standing travel channel show mm -hmm. called, of course, No Reservations. And he's moving from the travel channel mm -hmm. to CNN. Yeah. And he's going to do a show, uh, Cuisines of the World. Yeah. So I just chatted with him about what made him tick, what got him interested in food. In particular, what intrigues me, and we'll get back to you on this in a minute, is just how cuisine can be so different 
around the world. What some people think is nasty, other people think is extraordinary. And, and, and how people just eat differently around the world. So let's go to this first clip right away and we'll have a lot of time to talk about it and carry it into the other segments. My opening clip with Anthony Bourdain, chef extraordinaire. People always say, oh, I've been to this country and this food is a delicacy there. That's cute to me that it, the food tastes nasty or it's some bug that they pulled out of the ground and sauteed. So what, what's with people saying something is a delicacy? Well, it's rare or expensive. You know, it's valued more than, you know, the way we look at the shrimp or lobster or truffles as the good stuff. A lot of people in this world look at ingredients that many of us would probably have difficulty with. It's, that's an attitude that changes really quickly the more you travel. Something I got over very quickly, particularly, you know, you talk about, wow, their food in Thailand is really repulsive to me. I mean, they eat bugs. But the Thais, who are largely a non-dairy culture, Try to put yourself in their shoes. They're looking at us. You know, eat a cottage cheese or Roquefort would be truly <laughs> horrifying. And if you think about it for a second, what that must look like. Yeah, so you, you get some milk and then like turn it into cheese and then let mold grow on it. Right. Then eat it. Yeah, yeah. just hideous. <laughs> I, I got over sort of uh, using words like bizarre a long time ago when looking at how other people eat around the world. But what I do find interesting, though, is you go from one country to the next and... One of the simplest measures of this is what is the assortment of flavors that they infuse in their potato chips that mm -hmm. they're selling, yeah. for example, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, so it, it, in Japan, they have like fish-flavored yes. potato chips. This, I mean, we eat fish here, mm -hmm. but I don't know that that would sell. There are whole spectrums of flavors that other countries, other cultures uh, take for granted and, and require in their diet. Uh, the Philippines, there's a whole a bitter component that we are almost instinctively not happy with. I mean, they will they will introduce bile into dishes to give it a that welcome bitter note. Cultures like Scandinavian cultures, where there's a very limited spectrum of flavors, not a lot of spices traditionally, a lot of fresh fish, fresh fish, frozen fish, more fresh fish, maybe some preserved fish, as well as South Pacific cultures where it's all sort of sweet, fresh fish, not a lot of salty, savory. There's a tradition of rotting things, like fermenting fish, getting it really offensively funky by our standards, just because, I think, out of boredom. It introduces you know? another flavor. And it's worth noting also that we, Western societies, anyway, used to, used to do that. In Roman times, the condiment of choice was essentially something called garum that was essentially rotten fish guts and rotten fish sauce. This was the salt, the principal seasoning ingredient all across Europe. So even our own tastes have changed. For a lot of people, the last frontier is the textural thing. Particularly in Asia, they like, you know, squishy or even rubbery, chewy, or a lot of traditional European cultures, you know, cartilage texture. That's something that we really have a problem with. We tend to like crispy. Once you cross that border, you, you're really, you're, you're someplace special. To get back to your question about delicacies and value, a lot of, I think, you got to ask always, is there a, an assumed medical component to what we're talking about also? I think a lot of what we consider the really freakiest foods, the eye-popping, what, the, why would you eat that? A lot of that has either folk medicine or uh, traditional Chinese medicine applications or a regular feature in my life in China is if something arrives still wriggling or there's a sex organ involved, 
It's usually accompanied by winking and banging on the bottom of the table. With this will make you strong. You know, many, many <laughs> sons. You know, it's like, oh, God. Wow. So, Marion, I got to go straight to you on this. When we think of nutrition, I think of things that are tasty that might be good for me. And for so many of the cultures of the world, I don't know that they have an active science of nutrition, but they just simply know what has worked over the centuries, right? So is a person more likely to think that something tasty is actually nutritious? Probably, um, but the point is that people, the physiology. Yeah, but yeah. Pe people eat what's available. You know, if you before there were supermarkets, um, and before there was internet food, and before there was food on every corner, people had to eat what was available to them. So they learned to put together a diet that supported life, supported reproduction. Based so the on, empirics based of that on, is, if you died, you didn't keep doing yeah. it. Yeah, they wouldn't, so you be, would eat. they wouldn't be here if it hadn't worked. <laughs> so, so wait, you were saying that, that people would eat healthy... You would think that some, like you would think like ribs were delicious because they're were healthy because they're delicious. If you had them, if, if you, you had, had them, if you'd you be had like, this them, must be... because these people survive, these yeah. cultures survive, these populations. So it's self-selecting. Yeah. So it's self-selecting. So and we know that healthy diets can be made out of almost anything as long as the foods yeah. are varied. In India, and you don't they eat drink too, a and you don't eat too much of, soup. Yeah, and you don't eat too much of them. On that note, we'll come back to Star Talk Radio after this break. We're back on Star Talk Radio, and I've got Eugene Merman. Hello. And this show is yes. about nutrition. So, professor of nutrition here, yeah. <laughs> Marion Nessel. Marion, thanks for being on Star Talk. Pleasure. Coming up from New York University. And in fact, you have a book that just was published, Why Calories Count from Science to Politics. How about That's that? That's awesome. Because calories do count. They do. So, here we are talking about nutrition all around the world. And so, here are people eating local foods. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking, does it have vitamin C? Does it mm -hmm. have vitamin A? But if someone gets sick or the tribe doesn't continue, presumably they figured out that that diet wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And so over the generations, an emergent diet comes that happens to work out. Mm -hmm. If believe? it didn't, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't yes. be here. That's Everyone who tried to just only eat dirt is dead. <laughs> That's right. All the, the religions and the people who just only All just, the cults and yeah, all yeah, the would, like suck uh, on a weird rock and be like, I still feel hungry. They're all dead. They're all dead. All we have now is French food and all right, a lot of Asian food. So here in America, mm -hmm. I guess since the 1950s, but certainly in recent decades, fast food is a major part of the mm. American diet. It's everywhere. And then with the American cultural influence around the world, our fast food restaurants are showing up in other countries. Mm. Is that good? Is it bad? I mean, do you have an opinion on this? It's business. There's only a certain amount that people can eat. Americans, they're maxed out on what they can eat. If these companies want to make money, they have to move it overseas. So and they that's can't make us doing. fatter than we are. Yeah, yeah. We've hit a fat I, max. <laughs> fat max. And we now need to make everyone in Vietnam fat. And then, We're working on it. Yes. And then when Earth is done with the yeah, next yeah. planet, right? All right, but fast food shouldn't necessarily make a person fat. Not if they don't eat too much of if it. If they don't eat too much of it. So yeah. the issue is not the existence of fast food, it's the regulation of the consumption of food. Yes, and that turns out to be evolutionarily complicated because we have about a hundred physiological factors that encourage us to eat more. 
and one or two. Because historically, on the Serengeti, you, mm. that's survival. If yeah. you found a McDonald's in the Serengeti, you would be like, I'm going to eat all I can. Every, because the next McDonald's is, is far away. centuries away, possibly. <laughs> centuries away. Well, I had a brother-in-law yeah. who grew up in Alaska, and every time we fed him, we said, do you want seconds? And he said, you never know when you're going to eat next. But the fact is, he does know when he's going to eat next, and it's in three hours when it's the next meal. <laughs> right. So we're not very well tuned to the environment that we're in. And our physiology is much better at saying, eat, 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 you're hungry, better get the glucose to the brain quick, and much, much less effective at telling us when to stop. When to not eat. Alas. We're like geese trying to turn ourselves into foie gras. <laughs> yes, <you're> right. <laughs> Banned in California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying the ready availability of fast food is what's contributing to our inability to stop eating. Yeah, the things that encourage people to eat more are having it right there. Mm -hmm. If we had candy here, we'd be eating it. The fact that you could eat it anytime, night or day, 24-7. Uh, because you got the refrigerator that's got the food through the right. night, mm -hmm. and there's a corner person selling you food, right. particularly in the cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that makes people you make eat more. You make it sound like gluttonous monsters <laughs> surrounded by piles no, of food. We're just in, uh, encouraged so we're to, not make our, to exercise our physiology. Right. We're not biologically prepared for the world we've created around That's ourselves. That's right. right. That's right. You know, I spoke with Anthony Bourdain about this just to get his reaction to it. Let's find out what he said. So what about the idea of what Americans have done to some foods. We put cheese in a can. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe the cheese tastes okay, but that's got to be an abomination to the cheese cultures of the world. Increasingly, the French are doing it too. You know, the great cheesemaking cultures, by joining the EU, have agreed to bastardize a lot of their traditional artisanal products, like cured meats, traditional forms of cheesemaking. They've been killing their own products for years. Is that uh, not our influence, our cultural influence on them? It's a combination of convenience food culture. Well, that's uh, how, who invented convenience uh, food? Well, America. I think it's a byproduct of post-war affluence, less time to post kick back. Second World War. Yeah. <laughs> Must uh, specify yeah. for the current generation. Um, people forget. They lose touch with their roots. They learn to demand newer, saltier flavors. So it's not just us, unfortunately. So there's not only the concept of fast food to which there's been this resistance, I guess they're calling it a slow food, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's, has, has that movement caught on? People certainly talk about or think about where their food's coming from a lot more, and not just at the elite foodie levels. People, even if they're not particularly knowledgeable about organics or sustainable or local or artisanal, all of those very Cat fuzzy phrases. words, at least they're thinking about it now. You only need to look at what like McDonald's has publicly forsworn any use of pink slime. Pink slime, it is not an ingredient, according to the rules. It is a process that allowed ground beef manufacturers to essentially buy the outer cuts of beef that would otherwise previously have had to be discarded or used for pet food because they were more likely to come in contact with hides, excrement, other animals, and contain E. coli. They found but by introducing, as I understand it, an ammonia vapor, basically steaming this stuff, whipping it into a mulch-like paste with bits of extruded fat, mixing it into this slime and processing it with ammonia, that they were able to bring the likelihood of E. coli down. Now, it doesn't sound like good stuff, for sure. And there was clearly a backlash, though not a huge one. The, the fact that McDonald's and other major uh, retail outlets are saying, we're not using it anymore, it's not like they're nice guys. 
they're looking pretty far into the future and seeing that this is going to come back and bite us. We're saving money now. We're making money now, but this could really come back and hurt our brand. So clearly that's one of many indications of this sort of thinking affecting the marketplace, you know? Yeah, so it wasn't, like you said, it was not a separate ingredient because it was still beef. Well, that's up to you to decide whether <laughs> the introduction of an ammonia vapor or whatever is an ingredient or a process. <laughs> Personally, I would like to know if there's ammonia in my cleaning product <laughs> in my meat. All right, so this is kind of America's hallmark. I mean, agribusiness, growing production and storage technologies, I think America has led the world in this. We have. But, We're spending. But, I looked this up recently. We're spending a third today of our annual budget on food compared with what we were doing in the 1950s. Our single largest privately held company is a food producer. I think Cargill is the biggest American privately held company. And so we've we're making away. more food on less land with fewer farmers than ever before. No doubt about it. You know, frozen food, surely a good thing. Most of these things, but you know, with the good comes the bad. And the bad might be that it is in the financial interest of some very large, powerful companies that you continue to eat badly and too much. And they're going to spend a lot of money, as any company will do, to make you continue to buy their products. And a lot of these products are not ideal staples of any diet. We well, need only look at the way Americans look and the state of our health to see that that's the truth. So is processed food bad? I like French fries. I like burgers. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, burger last night. It's, a ma it's not like cigarettes. It's a matter of proportion. It's not you can't eat it. It's that you can't eat too much of it. Uh-huh. That's hard. So it is so good and so cheap, it makes it that much harder to regulate. Mm. And the politics come into how come it's so cheap. Okay, so what, what's an example of that? We subsidize corn and soybeans. We don't subsidize broccoli. And soybeans, what do we do with that that's so bad uh, for soy people? Soy oil, it goes into processed foods. So yeah. what's your solution to this? Is it to make food more expensive? Is it to change the availability of it? What, mm -hmm. What's the solution? Yeah, here? you want to change the environment in order to make it easier for people to eat more healthfully. That's what Mayor Bloomberg is trying to do with his 16-ounce soda cap. He's trying to outlaw 20-ounce sodas in the city. Yeah, uh, he's trying to make fat people illegal, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> So are you over that line? Are you, you're, you're ready I, I don't drink a lot of soda. I'm just a regular fat person. Uh, but I think that ban sounds pretty good. But what if we subsidize parsley? It's not a ban, it's a car. It's yeah, a yeah, it's a, it's a cap. It's a cap. Um, so there is a, mm. a public good that laws can serve because somebody out there is more concerned about your health than you are. Yes, because they have to pay for it. Right. If something goes wrong. Right. The insurance base, the tax yeah. base. I mean, there have been estimates, I don't know how good they are, that overweight costs America $190 billion a year. Yeah. I don't want to. You can go to Mars twice for that. I would hope so. <laughs> wow. And imagine if the trip was full of people who were overweight. <laughs> the, the savings combined with shipping wow. away the problem. That's a double. Plus the exploration. It's just like, I'm full of solutions. <laughs> so. Lately, fast food has been fortified in ways, so you are getting vitamins and minerals and things. Isn't oh, that it right? has vitamins and minerals and protein and other kinds of nutrients. It's not sodas. Sodas are the only thing that have calories and no nutrients. And no nutrients, yeah. Um, okay, and so, alcohol, sorry. Okay, so... You think there's no, there's no nutrients? There's no... Not no. even whiskey? Especially whiskey. <laughs> what about red wine? No. It make pregnant people run faster? Isn't that true? That's true. When we come back to Star Talk Radio, we're, more with my interview with Anthony Bourdain. We're talking about nutrition around the world, food around the world. More on Star Talk Radio when we come back.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. We're back on StarTalk Radio, and I'm with Eugene Merman. Hello. And I've got Professor Marion Nessel, spelled like Nestle, I guess, but without the without accent. Without the accent. There no you relation. go. Too bad, right? Yes. <laughs> She's professor of nutrition at New York University. She's thought a lot about a lot about this, and not only nutrition in general, but the role of food and its impact on culture and politics. And in fact, you've got a book out called "Why Calories Count: From Science to Politics." Excellent title. Check it out. So, what's interesting is different regions of the world have different diets, and you can look at how long those people live. 
mm-hmm. and say, hey, maybe something's going on in their culture that's not going on in my culture. They've talked about the Mediterranean diet that is high in, I guess, olive oils and things. There's the Japanese, uh, broadly the Asian diet, which is very low fat, uh, high carbs. Uh, let's hear what Anthony Bourdain had to say about it, then we come back and get some of the science of why that may or may not be true. Let's check it out. Tell me about these diets. We call them diets, but it's just the mainstay culinary offerings in, in various parts of the world. There's a lot spoken of the Mediterranean diet the Japanese diet, yep. and they live a long time, heart disease is low. From your life experience, is all that true? No doubt about it. I mean, you, you go to Crete, for instance. Well, I guess we know it's true, but look if you're, if are you're we going to credit the food or because there's no stress right. or because, the, how big a factor is the food? I'm guessing there's, you know, you're a Vietnamese rice farmer, there's, you're working hard. You're you working, know, well. You are working hard, and there's there's stress in your life, uh, okay. especially if you've been through three or four wars in the yes. last 30 years. Yes, right. uh, I don't think that's it. I think clearly the ratio, in much of the world, the ratio of, you know, I'm a confirmed carnivore, but clearly there's something to be said for cultures where the ratio of meat, of protein, to uh, to fresh vegetables uh, is completely different. Ours is Opposite. distorted. Um much of the cultures we're talking about, they use meat or bone or a, or protein almost as a flavoring ingredient. Very careful, it's much almost. more value. A condiment. Um, yeah. You have delicious, for the most part, vegetables. A st- generally, a, a filler like starch, like whether it's rice or cassava or or potato, wherever it is. Clearly, it has an impact on 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 you know what your body looks like and and how long you're going to live you know no doubt about it all right now you're you're over six feet tall in japan people hardly get that height Mm -hmm. so is it a trade-off between that kind of diet and whether you grow tall well uh i don't think it's a trade-off we make anymore because they're getting taller and bigger there's no doubt about it as as they become fonder of western food and processed food i mean the same thing's happening there as here uh, the bulking of, of of the world but I think, uh, yeah, there clearly is. I mean, one of my favorite, I, you know, I, I'm not particularly well inclined. I, as, as much as it might be good to eat more vegetables and less animal protein, I'm not particularly well inclined towards really hardcore, unwavering uh, vegans. So one of my favorite uh, statistics is that apparently vegans in non-industrialized cultures seem to do very much better than vegans in industrialized cultures. And people were trying to figure out why that was, why they're living longer and seem healthier. And <laughs> apparently the insect parts and uh, uh, carcasses uh, in rice, uh, much higher in non-industrial cultures. And it's, left so, in, it's left in the product. Uh, yeah, so basically they're getting a lot more animal protein. <laughs> insect protein. We're flicking away the insects out of our vegetables. Very, very high in, in protein bugs, by the way. People eat those for a reason. <laughs> So, you know, I happen to know separately that little people live longer than mm-hmm. big people. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a culture where everyone's little, then maybe leave it doesn't matter what leave, they eat. Leave like them alone. That's why babies live forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in, in, in certain cultures, people are just smaller. Maybe that's the biggest driver for their longevity. Or is there much truth in these diets that... Uh, oh, what can you the say? statistics all show that there are plenty of countries in the world that have much lo- better longevity than we do. And they tend to have in common that they eat more plant foods, 
fruits and vegetables and grains and they don't eat as much meat and they don't eat as much junk food. And as the American fast food and soda company... It's not just fewer calories. It's oh, the yes. actual no, mixture of... It has a lot to do with calories. It's just harder yeah. to eat so much parsley that it's as many <laughs> calories really as a burger. Hard, I've tried. I've really tried. really hard to get fat on parsley. <laughs> you have to eat roomfuls of it. It's really tough. Now, now, Buddha, last I checked, was a vegetarian, and he's generally shown as quite chubby. Chubby. Yes, but yeah. everybody was bringing him rice offerings yeah. all okay. day He had long. a very high-carb diet. Yeah, all right. That's all the day reason. Long. Okay, so, so you're prepared to say that if in America, if we want to live longer, cut the meat. Cut, cut down. calories. Oh, cut the calories. Cut the calories. Cut the, cut the calories, calories and change the balance of the meat. And change and the balance. Yeah. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Don't eat so much junk food. Uh, balance calories and love what you're eating. What does that do for That's you? That's my advice. Oh. <laughs> love what, meaning eat, find ways to make find. foods that aren't burgers delicious. Yeah, or just make sure that you enjoy what you eat. <laughs> burger is the, the reference eat. frame I, for all of even. I don't even, I mean, I know, live, burgers are totally fine. Food is one of great, life's greatest pleasures. Yeah. You should enjoy it and not make it your enemy. Makes it me should so be your friend. To be friends. <laughs> right? Food is Befriend your food. You're like Yoda. You're like befriend food, eat it. When but we come back, so more of my clips with Anthony Bourdain <laughs> and my in-studio guest, Marion Nestle, and of course, Eugene Merman. Be right back. We're back. Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. Find us on the web at StarTalkRadio.net. You can download our archives of shows. Great stuff there. And not only that, we're on Facebook. Like us there. Just Star Talk Radio. You'll find us. And we tweet Star Talk Radio, of course. Eugene, you tweet. Yes. At Eugene Merman. Yes. M I R M I N. M A N. And my special guest today, right? I tweet. You tweet? Nice. I do. A tweeting nutritionist. Marion Nessel. Marion Nessel. Oh, Marion Nessel. Came out of that word. previous segment. I called you Nestle. I'm sorry. Perfectly all right. I can't be the no first relation. one. No relation. You're not the first. And I'm not the <laughs> first. And you won't be the and last. And I surely won't be the last. <laughs> By the way, we're also on the Nerdist channel of YouTube. Check us out in video form. So we're featuring my interview with Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. He gets around, he makes great food, he eats food that is prepared all around the world. And an intriguing subject, as you know, because not everyone eats the same way. My great disappointment traveling America is the same restaurants are in the same places. And I asked him about food that's sort of good or bad. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you can make that judgment, I suppose. You mean like morally? <laughs> Because <laughs> he travels the world. I mean, when you travel, you eat different foods. Yeah, yeah. So I asked him, what kind of good food did he have? What kind of bad food? No, just what, oh, what didn't did he... taste good. Yeah, yeah. Tasted good, didn't taste good. That's yeah, all. Yeah. But might be a delicacy in its land. So let's right. find out what he said. The fermented fish in Iceland is something I will never, ever be able to really, even many people in Iceland probably even the majority, it, it's a celebrated national dish that they eat on their holidays, and it's basically rotten sharp. I'm not going to be visiting that again. I could choke down anything to be a good guest. The Really, the only real problems are when it's a matter of freshness, you know, when it's a really poor culture with very limited access to ingredients. You have a hearty digestive system? I mean. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the two times that I've, I've been brought down and lost a day's work were both tribal situations, the whole tribe looking at me, it's it's 
bush meat, it's whatever protein they could scrounge. It's not in good shape. There are cleanliness issues. You I took one for the team. Man. I absolutely oh my did. Gosh. <laughs> the surprises are everywhere. Eating street food in Asia changed my life. It ru ruined my life in wonderful ways. When you've had a really well-made bowl of spicy noodles in Vietnam, even out of a chipped bowl on a low plastic stool in the street, your old breakfasts just won't cut it anymore. You cannot go back to be the person you were before when you've experienced some of the degree of spice, complexity, and even a little bit of pain. There's an element of sadomasochism in some of that food that's kind of disturbing and yet uh, enticing. Good and bad food around the world. I mean, this was parodied in or captured in the Indiana Jones yeah. The second of those. Where the, he has to eat the little boy's heart? I can't remember what no, that was. No. That's <laughs> when they pull the heart out. And they give him the Icelandic shark the that's... Shield monkey brain and so. eyeball soup. And um, so, are these real foods? Out there? They must be. Uh, whatever they're... If they're being served, they're obviously real foods. Yeah. Unless they're trying to get you. It's do they do that? If you go somewhere, they're like, we eat brains all the time. And they're like, no, we don't. <laughs> So, is there study on the nutritional analysis of all these exotic Absolutely. foods? Absolutely. And what do you guys find? I mean, I guess... They have nutrients. All foods have nutrients. At the end of the day, they're just eating something that was once alive. That's right. How, how good are sweetbreads for you, would you say? Um, I think in small quantities, I wouldn't It's neither sweet nor is it bread. No, it's but... It's neither sweet nor bread. They're, they're, sure. It's organ meat yeah. of mammals. But yeah. if a tiny Some bit of it will make you strong and fast and outrun people mm. drinking red wine. <laughs> wouldn't you, wouldn't you <laughs> love that? I'm just trying to have you go like most people don't know this but eating butter in the morning is very good for you they're like why won't you tell me this because they've got their safe yeah. of secrets oh, yeah. down in the these people who think it's okay to eat whatever you like as long as you vary it and don't eat too much of it right all right so mm. the foods that are really horrendous is do you think there's something it must be cultural i, I mean a learned taste buds yeah that, yeah i mean if everybody if you grew up on eating sweetbreads all the time you would think it was a great delicacy if you grew up on eating crickets all the time you would think it was a great delicacy. you'd be right about sweetbreads but wrong about crickets wrong about <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> there you are just, that's cultural just to relativism. give a world blanket statement yeah. whether or not americans are the right answer to this question hold it aside what country in the world has the worst health the worst health? Yes. Itself. Excluding America? Yes. Oh, I would say the countries that are poorest. So poorest. Poorest countries. So poorest and then the fattest. Yeah, that's right. So go poorest, poorest, fatties. That, that, that too. <laughs> and then just and, like vegetarian Asians. <laughs> and what's happening in, right, you know, and what's happening in the developing countries now is that as everybody gets a little money, they start eating more. They just, but then they just eat, start eating like Kit Kats and, and stuff. And they start eating like we do and yeah. they put on weight and develop type 2 diabetes and there it goes. It even has a name. It's called the nutrition transition. Nutrition transition. Where it goes from hungry to, diabe to type to 2 diabetes. diabetes. In one fell swoop. When we come back, Star Talk Radio, we're talking about nutrition, my clips with Anthony Bourdain. We'll see you in a moment. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. I got Eugene Merman and Professor of Nutrition, Marian Nessel. The verb, not the chocolate. Okay, yeah. Nestle, that would be. <laughs> Is that what it says on your card? <laughs> the verb, not the chocolate. <laughs> verb, not uh, we've been featuring my interview with Anthony Bourdain, the, yeah. the TV chef and world traveler, tasting exotic foods. And uh, just interesting to hear how he got to where he is. Everyone's got a story. He's got a story, yeah. and the story surprised me entirely. I had no idea this was in his... I guess I could have done my homework, but I wanted yes. it all to be fresh. Like it surprised you because you didn't Google. Because <laughs> I didn't Google. No, but it was all very fresh, and, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a delightful uh, success story. Let's, let's check out what he, said, what he tells us. Well, I was an angry, uh, embittered, uh, spoiled... Uh, I was a bad kid. Where did you grow up? Grew up in New Jersey in the suburbs, right oh, across the river. What no. uh, <laughs> exit? Yeah, I was okay. just very disappointed with the way that the '60s turned out, and uh, I was a bitter, self-destructive, uh, drug-seeking uh, kid who really had a hard time uh, finding anything to believe in. And I found a home the way that a lot of people find a home in the military. I found a home in the restaurant business. I mean, this was a, a world of absolutes that I responded to. I, I liked the science of, to me, it was a revelation working as a dishwasher. Why? Because plates went in dirty and they came out clean every time. And if I did my job of washing dishes, I got the respect of hardworking people in the kitchen. And that made me feel proud of myself in a way I never had before. Uh, I'll tell you really, so that was really a tr that transitional. Transitional. I went from a very unhappy, self-destructive college kid, a college your, dropout, your to a guy with a, washing dishes. Yes, absolutely. And I live by those. The lessons I learned as a dishwasher uh, were the most important in my life. Show up on time. Have Sounds the respect. Like a book. Have the lessons I learned washing dishes. I've written that book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and then at age forty-four, I found, my, found myself uh, standing. Uh, broke but reasonably happy uh, next to a deep fryer at a restaurant in New York. And I, I'd i written a, a, an obnoxious over-testosterone account of my life that I didn't think anyone would buy. And suddenly I found myself on the bestseller list and my life literally changed in the space of a week from a guy who never thought he'd see Saigon, much less Rome, to somebody who's now been traveling uh, for the last 10 years, anywhere I want to go in the world, doing pretty much whatever I please. So, uh, not to over-interpret what you just shared with me, but 
the fact that your life transformed at age 44, mm -hmm. that's extraordinary. Look at how many people give up long before then saying, look, I'm, I'll never make anything in my life. I never had health insurance. I'd never uh, owned a car. I'd never owned a home. Uh, I never paid my rent on time. I owed it to IRS 10 years of back taxes. I went to sleep every night uh, hyperventilating from fear for the will. Who's going to call first the landlord credit card company or the, uh, you know, uh, the IRS? Uh, I had no hope of ever changing that situation. And that was good by previous year's standards. So it came as a big, big, big surprise to me to suddenly have the freedom to see this world and do the things that I'm able to do with the people I do it with, it, I think it makes me uh, grateful in a way that I, I might not be had it happened earlier. So who would have thought food can change somebody's life that way? It was an extraordinary story. Yeah, I was a dishwasher for like a year, but I didn't realize I could do this. I had six years before I'm his age and have to have accomplished the same stuff. <laughs> Got to keep but, at it. Keep working at yeah, it. Yeah. Keep, keep, you have to work on the uh, dishwashing. A I know. More I feel carefully. like I learned a lot, but not quite as much. <laughs> so, Marion, I think most people who care about their health have either only a pseudo scientific understanding of nutrition or no understanding at all. So, uh, you you've got to be disappointed. Present with, company excluded. <laughs> you've got to be disappointed with the state of knowledge out there. No, I'm disappointed with the state of science and knowledge in general. In general, oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's just one aspect the, of it all. Well, it's an aspect that hits people personally. We put food in our bodies, and that makes it extremely personal. And it's some combination of protein, carbohydrates, fat. Yeah, I mean, nutrition's complicated. There are probably fifty different components in food that we need in order to survive and it's hard to keep them track and to keep track of them and you don't know what's in food. Can I live off of any one of them if I want to just go all no, protein? No, 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 variety, variety. variety. You couldn't live it's off of just secret. Diet Coke? It would be very difficult. <laughs> For how long do you think if you just drank Diet Coke would you uh, live? Let's like see, like that, two months, uh, a year? Uh, actually, it's months. probably very close to 70 days. 70 days, 70 just days. Diet Coke. Yeah, if you... Well, it has no calorie you, sources. It has no calories and no nutrients, so it's just oh, like... Yeah. water. So you'd also have to eat bugs. So it's the equivalent of water, and there have been studies, the Irish hunger strikers, for example, um, you know, they, they were very carefully studied, and on average they lived about 70 days once they decided not to eat anymore. Wow. Okay, so the Diet Coke experiment, proxied with water, would do that. Yeah, and if they ate something, then they would have lived longer. Right, right, right. Yeah. We gotta wrap up this hour. It's been, it's been an awesome conversation yeah. about food and diet. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, and I've had Eugene Merman, you've seen him and heard him before, and of course, uh, Professor Marion Nessel. Uh, thanks for being on Star Talk Radio. A pleasure. Oh my gosh, and contributing to the information surrounding my interview with Anthony Bourdain. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, a show brought to you in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. True or false? 
Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart.